Welcome, everybody, to Fear and Loathing in Cinema. We are back with a brand new episode. It is February 7th. It's not as cold anymore in Texas. The power is on, and we are watching movies. Today's movie is a doozy. It is uh, amazing. But first, intros. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the two hosts with the most, the two people who I want to go to high school with and do a science project with, and just bring in all of the Bill and Ted future and past people, too. I'm very excited. Preston Barta and Dan Moran. Preston, how are you? Doing good. Just got back from sucking snot. (laughs) Sucking snot. And Dan, what about you, bud? I'm nice and warm, but I can't I can't beat that. I wasn't sucking any snot. Not sucking any snot. What we all will with today's film on fear and loathing in cinema. It is 1985's action teen science fiction comedy, My Science Project, released in August 9th, 1985. It was directed by Jonathan Boutel, produced by Jonathan Taplin. And written also by the director. And it stars John Stockwell, Danielle Von Zernick, Fisher, Stevens, Richard Masur, Barry Corbin, and the one, the only, the legend, Dennis Hopper. And this movie is basically about teenagers at high school. And there's a science project that is due by the hippy-dippy science teacher, Dennis Hopper and one of the classmates is, you know, he's into cars, he's into vehicles, he's into the auto shop. He doesn't have a project. He's going to fail. So he sneaks into a military base, steals some weird object that turns out that is just kind of like this alien type of technology that transcends space and time and brings past and future to the present. And Oh my God, we're going to get into it because it's crazy. So first off, first things first, we have to talk about if we've seen this movie before, if we're coming into it new, I'm going to start out uh, my science project. I did not see this in the theater because it came out in 1985 of August. Um, I was three or four years old, but I did see it, I believe that year in 1986 on VHS. And I loved it. This was one of my childhood movies. I loved every bit of it, even though I didn't understand a whole lot of it, but I really enjoyed this movie. This is right up there, you know, with Goonies and Labyrinth for me, my science project, because I I vividly remember it. And then coming back to it now, you know, some 35 years later, this movie's still awesome. Oh my God. In so many ways, we're going to talk about why it's so amazing but this movie still holds up they don't make movies like this anymore they're so good but uh let's go to dan first dan have you seen this movie before uh we're doing this show last night was my first time i ever partnered with anyone on my science project from (laughs) 1985 i had never seen this movie before it was uh free on youtube with no ads the whole time i watched it on my tv like completely normal um enjoyed it I, I truly, after last week, I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie, looking at the poster, looking because the poster is terrible for my science project. Do not let that deter you. This was a very fun mid-80s romp of just the craziest stuff that you will see on screen. And it makes no sense 
to me, looking at it through the 2023 eyes of some executive being like, oh yeah, we get the budget for that. And I wish that more people would just throw money at crazy ideas because this one is just insane and it turned out to be a fun movie. Yeah, it was um, it, it basically it's a Disney movie. Buena Vista, go Disney was like, let's put this. And I will say the poster art is very reminiscent of Ghostbusters almost <laughs> has that Ghostbusters vibe. But Preston, had you seen this movie prior to the podcast? What were your what what was your overall thinking of going into it? And then after uh, pretty much copy and paste what Dan said, I had seen clips because uh, what we were talking about before we recorded was that this movie seemingly just inspired so many other films. And so I've mm-hmm. seen like some dissections of other other movies like, you know, Back to the Future, Bill and Ted, as you've been referencing here. Um, and then you you were also mentioning the poster and how the poster looks like. Uh, uh, what, what did you just say that it looked like? Oh, uh, Ghostbusters. 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 Yeah. And even the end, end of the film kind of has a Ghostbusters kind of feel to it. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you, you can kind of pick up that it even like one of the characters looks like revenge of the nerds like they were just kind of like sampling from other films and then the the all those samples kind of were sampled by other films so it's just really (laughs) neat to kind of see this like how it's just created so much but uh yeah i had not seen it before just seen a couple clips here and there um but yeah it was it was a lot of fun um really really enjoyed myself i think the characters were a lot of fun especially fisher stevens (laughs) i think this is my favorite role of his so yes we're going to talk about fisher stevens character because i had forgotten fisher stevens character in this movie is one of the best characters in cinema because it maybe personally but like he is a wealth of knowledge of TV and film in this movie. Yeah. And he's just so damn funny. The lines he has, he definitely has the best lines in the movie, Fisher Stevens. Um, but let's kind of start, you know, kind of at the beginning uh, with watching, go, going through the movie and you both not seeing this before, how is its pacing, you know, being a teen kind of action comedy and then going into the sci-fi realm? Did it did it hold like those 80s tropes for you? Did it do things different for you? Preston? I, I, I would I would say so, just because I've been reviewing uh quite a few like MVD rewind collection movies lately, and you can see like how what it how it can be really bad with its pacing. Um I think, uh, yeah, maybe there could have been more explored toward the end with all the, when everything, when the time capsule, or not time capsule, but when everything's just kind of blown open and uh, that section of the film was so much fun and I wanted to see more of that. But I think in terms of like making you care for the characters and enjoy hanging around them and getting to know like the device and uh, like um, the, the teacher and just, I don't know. It has a good, it has a good uh, reasonable flow to it where you can just kind of comprehend everything and uh, nothing seems too out of the ordinary for it. I would say. Right. Yeah. And, and Dan cop, uh, piggyback off that and talk to me about the characters because the characters are very 
they they all have their like good solid notes to them like being like the kind of the cool laid back guy and the crazy Italian guy, the nerd, you know, stuff like that. What did you think? I thought it was, they were almost like pieces on a board game from an eighties movie. You've got the nerd and he has the glasses and the perfectly parted hair. And he will go here. We have the laid back cool guy who's obsessed with cars until he's not. We have the nerd girl that if she took off her glasses would be yeah, so smoking hot. Obligatory ugly girl. <laughs> yeah, ugly. Yeah, she was yeah. hideous. And and then you've got the 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 best friend who's the wild man and the you know the Charlie Kelly, if you will, of this movie. Yeah. Wow. Come um, on. So it was just it was it was perfect in that in that respect. Well, in in that you know you're trying to find. Um, you know, who the antagonist and the protagonist is in the movie. And there really isn't a big one here um, other than, and it tries to flip it on its ear in the eighties where with the nerd, the big nerd of this group is kind of like the antagonist here almost, you know, he's the one that, you know, during the film is doing all the shady stuff and not, you know, the jock type of guy or like the, the auto mechanic and his friend who just kind of wants to get laid. (laughs) Well, the jocks are pulling the strings though. Right. That's true. That's true. But even, even the, uh, the nerd, the nerd who was the quote unquote villain, he's just trying to figure out what this thing is. You know what I I mean? It wasn't like a, I'm taking over the world type experiment or him being super evil with it was, was my take. He was like, you guys are the jocks, cool guys. You kind of pick on me. This was left here. What do you mean? I can't play with, you know, like it was, it was more of that feeling with it as opposed to, um, two butting heads. So I, I kind of agree with you. There wasn't a huge, uh, villain in this movie other than just, you're kind of open in Pandora's box, literally, or Pandora's time box. If you right. Will. You no, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. That's what it was because even, you know, my my lovely, one of my favorite actors, Richard Masseur, who plays probably the best dad in film ever and licensed to drive, but he's, you know, kind of like yeah, a, 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 in, in, in a dad and my girl, one of the best dads too there, but he plays kind of like a country Southern uh, sheriff. <laughs> way out of place here in kind of California, (laughs) but he's so great in it, but he's not like a bad guy. He's just trying to figure out what's going on. He's never, he he does the right thing. He's like, what the hell's going on? I'm arresting y'all. There's dynamite by these power lines. Because like when the main character here, um, Harlan, um, as he's known by in there is John Stockwell. He's trying to find this science project and he, does break in on his first date with the nerd girl uh, into a military uh, base junkyard and stumbles across this, you know, orb kind of like in solar babies, this orb. And it all of a sudden it like starts to bring weird artifacts from past history to the present. And it's like a plasma ball that you'd find in Spencer's. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Uh, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And so they have the science teacher who is, um, played by (laughs) Dennis Hopper, who just wants to be known as Bob. Um, and let's not not Billy, but Bob, (laughs) and let's talk about this science teacher because a science teacher, usually in 80 movies, eighties movies, a lot of the teachers were kind of 
they were kind of the antagonist. They're just not fun. But this teacher played by the amazing Dennis Hopper is cool as hell. He's like stuck back in the 60s. He's anti-war. He's still wearing his sunflower type of things. He's trying to give everybody a break. Uh, you Getting high off of gas. Yeah, in the science room. Uh, Preston, talk to me about the first time seeing Dennis Hopper in this role. Oh, yeah. He, he, was, uh, he was great. I like what you were saying about like how he's just kind of the polar opposite of the type of teacher characters that you would have seen at that time because he's he's like the one who is still like hard on them but he cares he's rooting for like he got his feelings hurt that they didn't show up to class one time and that just kind of shows you like who he is um and then yes uh where it ends up with his character at the very end and the get up that he's wearing uh was very special to those who are easy rider fans um so yes. yeah he's 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 a lot of fun i like how wacky he is and the things that he says um um so yeah he was he was really enjoyable um i, I wanted more of him even when he got like really ridiculous when the special effects effects are in full swing and then he's just kind of doing this maniacal laugh because he's just he's kind of like the the nerdy guy that is not the girl who they're just both very hungry and curious people that they yeah. just can't help themselves they're he's like, excited he's yeah, excited yeah yeah he, he's he's the father at the end of close encounters who who just totally like get out of my way family the light like a deer in the headlights like i'm going <laughs> towards like the knowledge of the world that are just that is beyond our world um so yeah just him in his rants of like this is bigger than the world this is bigger than the solar system it was great it was good did you do you, do you think the same thing dan yeah I, I loved um we were talking a little earlier but it, i love dennis hopper just popping in for that paycheck i mean he was on set, no chance he was on the set for a full calendar week. And he showed up every day and he just brought it. And you could tell he was having a blast because he just, I don't know, there was something about like in his eyes. I don't know what it was. He just exuded joy. Like you yeah. could tell he was like, I know what this movie is and I'm going to chew the scenery and I'm going to have fun with it. And that was such a, as Preston said, welcome surprise, as opposed to most teacher characters are like, the Ferris Day Bueller mm -hmm. and, you know, even on in the background of your thing, like the Dazed and Confused situation where every teacher's the enemy. And in this one, it was like, he's kind of, he's not really an enemy. He's just, you know, he's, he's there to kind of help you along and have fun with it too for, cause he's a person. Yeah. Nice. No, it is good. And having Dennis Hopper, like as Dan and Preston are saying, he, he looked like he had such a good time as joy. It's noted in the bonus features of this movie with a new interview with Fisher Stevens that, Dennis Hopper came onto this movie directly right after a stint in rehab from drugs and alcohol. And what Fisher Stevens described him as is like he was like a kid in a candy store. He was just the joyous person in the world, fully sober and having a great time. And so that's amazing. And it shows in this movie. All right. My next question for both of you, we'll start off with Dan. How does my science project relate to Star Wars? Oh no! Is this a trick question? They're star. They mentioned Jedi I mean, people dress oh, as stormtroopers okay. and I mean, Darth yeah, Vader in this movie. <laughs> dressed as stormtroopers, you were like relates to. I was like, I didn't notice anyone who worked on Star Wars who was in this. But um, yeah, I mean, they crib they crib from everything. They crib from Star Wars. Uh, they crib a little from Empire. 
heck, I, I think the entire finale, they take more from um, Raiders of the Lost Ark than anything else. They they do a little bit. Yeah. Did you I, like at the beginning of the movie where the line was like, how many times have you seen Jedi? <laughs> and it's like, what's Jedi? You haven't seen Jedi? And I was like, man, this is the great movie because like yeah. Jedi came out in 83, this in 85. And you're just like, how many times have you seen Jedi? And I'm just like, that brings me back to a day when that was like a thing. <laughs> yeah, them, them referencing it was great. Sorry, you threw me off there. I was like, oh no, I'm going to be so embarrassed if I missed like a George <laughs> Lucas cameo or like <laughs> co-wrote on something. But yeah, I mean, that's, and that's another thing. Like it's, it's stuck in its time, if you will. But at this, at the same time, it also, it feels it. fresh. Like it's the nostalgia of like, yeah, that's how these kids would have talked. It's it, not a ti- it's not a timeless movie, but it is a timeless movie because the minute you hear them talk about seeing Jedi in the theater, you're like, oh, these are just 80s. This is the 80s kids. Right. And I, and I loved that the jocks or the bad guy jocks in the movie all have like Star Wars costumes and masks because yeah. it didn't make sense. Preston, what do you think about the whole Star Wars stuff? Oh, I thought it was enjoyable. Um, yeah, they're not really much more to say other than just whenever things like that would pop up uh i just you know nibbled at it it was it was really <laughs> great so <laughs> it it is so much fun so once the movie gets going and you see that when the kids bring Dennis Hopper the thing and Dennis Hopper gets sucked into this time vortex he has disappeared they think he's dead and they're Basically, what happens is the nerd of the group plugs this um, contraption in to the school power system. And so it just starts bringing in to the present day into the school all of these figures and settings from the future and in the past to like one location. And it's all kind of. It looks cool to begin with because how they do it in this movie, how they kind of navigate that happening is great because they start with like a pottery from like Egyptian times. They have a sword. You're like, okay, that's weird. And you notice like, oh, we jump two hours ahead within 10 minutes. And then you're like, oh, I see a I see a gladiator. Oh, oh, and then monsters come out and you're just like, what is happening? So. Preston, going in this movie, seeing all the crazy stuff that could happen, is this what you wanted? Could they have done it any better, like, realistically? Like, I think they kind of got it. For me, what do you think, Preston? No, I think I think they got it. I mean, if you, like, really, really think about it and you see, like, Fisher Stevens' character has, like, <laughs> a fight with the character and then ends up stabbing that and doesn't probably has to... Hey, he might have to go to therapy after that, but... Um, <laughs> He's all right. Um, yeah, it's kind of like this like cabin in the woods type of scenario or like Hellmouth and like Buffy when everything is just like happening. And uh, there's a good there's a good flow to it. Like even as I, th- I don't remember if you referenced here, or if you were talking beforehand with the the T-Rex that pops up <laughs> is uh, looks really good. Like there's such a charm to the effects of the t- at the time. And even though like my heart's a little hurt that they they had to kill it um <laughs> uh i understand they just sh- they just shot it and it's like yeah it's a cure um 
I, I, this is a big sidebar, but uh, Jurassic World has a cartoon show on Netflix, and I wrote this scathing review about, like, how the kids should not have killed the dinosaurs. Like, they could have just had a good discussion about how dinosaurs are animals, and they're just curious, and you don't, you don't have to do that. Let dinosaurs kill other dinosaurs. But uh, this is an entirely different situation. But, um, yeah, I thought there was a good, good flow to it. It, um that it just escalated it got more intense as it uh went along and yeah i wish like i said at the top i wish they could have just kept going i could have seen them just go through so many moments throughout history um it, it'd be like a fun little thing kind of like in uh prey with uh all the discussions that happened on Twitter after the Predator movie Prey came out, we were just like, now we need to see Predator in this this moment in history, in this moment in history. And I just kind of wanted them to go through the Rolodex and uh, have a lot of fun with it. But for what we got in the budget that they had, I think it was like $4 million or something like that. I, I heard a lot of stories about all the things that they were going to do at the time, like in the beginning, when uh, we were introduced to this alien concept, they were going to do all this puppetry stuff with aliens or something and then they they just ended up doing like a, a blank screen with just some audio effects and things like that but it seems like they they were very ambitious with this and they had a probably what their what was on the original script was even more intense and crazy but for what it is i think they accomplished a, a quite a bit and uh made made it very enjoyable and uh made me want to have more and so that's a good thing that is a good thing. Dan, what about you? I thought the special effects were great. Um, it's another movie where I'm shocked at the ability that they had at this time to use the budget and just looking at it through, you know, 40, almost 40 years later, how it can still look pretty good and pretty entertaining and not horrible, which was obviously my fear when um, they start going through time and seeing different things. I mean, the T-Rex did look a little Land of the Lost, but like Preston said, there was a, there was a charm to it. There was yeah. something really good about it. And to think seven years later, you know, Steven Spielberg was creating yeah. like the T-Rex. It's crazy to me, like how, what the jump would be just in comparison. But the and one they originally thing I, were going to use that that style of animation for Jurassic Park. So, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Because, and, well, yeah. The, with the T-Rex specifically in my science project, it's a it is practical effects. It is animatronic for most of the time. And actually it's good animatronic. I thought or claymation or something. Yeah. And um, the only thing that I laughed about as far as like exploring more, obviously I would have loved the movie where they, it was more like Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. And they kind of had to explore a little bit more through time, but the story they were telling just didn't work for that. And it would have been a little too serious, but I did laugh and I couldn't help it when they, we're going through history and then just like two ghost Nazis kind of walk by and they're like, Oh, skipping this part of history. We're not going to <laughs> just crack me up. Cause they're like, let's go to Vietnam. Cause that's a little easier for us to, um, for us to stomach in this 1985 kid Disney Vista movie. But yeah, those Nazis were just like, is there something up on this wall back here? As I just walked by them and all, all the main characters were like, just kind of walking right by that one. Well, the, the good thing about that is like, you know, they talk about in the movie, you can go to the future and go to the past. And so the one thing from the future is like a mm -hmm. Mad Max monster trauma, toxic mutant thing with like, I guess 
in the future, it's all neon signs and silver things. I thought that was just great and funny, but it had to be Mad Max style, right, Preston? Yeah, it's like a Joel Schumacher directed Mad Max or something with all the neon. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's 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 weird, like how smart the film is with a lot of that stuff because, like, it's just like a a quick thing. They don't have to draw a lot of attention to it. Um, so yeah, when when that popped up, I was like, oh man, that's really neat and kind of scary to think that yeah, if some like this is the what the world would be like post the apocalypse and uh some, some sort of new because at the time, even in the eighties, there was still a fear of like bombs going off and creating uh being yeah. like this hills have eyes type of type of thing. Um so yeah that fear was still there and just kind of it, it very much is just like an exploration of that moment in time but it's it's always so interesting to go to movies that were set during uh or not set but in the past in the mid 80s and just think about like where where they think the future is going i think that's why back to the future is so fun like the second one um just kind of seeing like what is that 80s version of the future sure and which was cool because you bring up that nuclear holocaust type thing and the bombs but like at the beginning of the movie when um what's his name eisenhower well he goes down into the bunker and it's just like he's like actually reading and saying the lines like of you know what to do in case of a nuclear explosion like they're and it it focuses on that for quite a bit so a little bit of foreshadowing into that my favorite my favorite thing with that is like this is the greatest discovery most important discovery in human history let's get rid of it (laughs) <laughs> right because okay so that the very first scene of the movie we talked about is you know military guy coming in or a lot of military and like an older guy in a golf hat who supposedly runs everything and is like we found this alien aircraft it crashed landed at roswell whatever and he's like this is yeah like preston said this is the biggest thing get rid of it you know like oh uh, you know it's almost <laughs> <laughs> put it put it on a shelf and i wonder like did, did this movie like cause you to become more curious, Brian? Were you like, oh man, I could break into some junkyards and find some really cool shit? Yes, because that's what I wanted to do. Because <laughs> like, you know, at the time, you know, you have something like this movie in a junkyard. You have something like Explorers with Joaqu- or, um, River Phoenix and yes. Ethan Hawke going to a junkyard. And I was like, I was all about it because you could yeah. you could create something, you could find something. So yes, I always wanted to do that. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, just to piggyback on the, the future thing, I mean, that was a great little scene. Like, that was perfectly fine, perfectly fun, and definitely built in with everything. But I'm with y'all on the, the junk stuff. Even going back to, like, you look at stuff like The Little Rascals and stuff, like, Having a clubhouse that you just find junk and build your own, whether even if it's a slide or like a trap door, that's just awesome. But I, I loved, and it is, you know, not to say that this is like the deepest movie, but I think I laughed the hardest because I could totally still picture really important people today 
finding something and being like, this is very important. We cannot explain it. Therefore, we must get rid of it and put it in a bunker and pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> right. It, it reminds me of the Pineapple Express, that first scene <laughs> yeah. when they're get doing it. Yeah. illegal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they yeah. don't understand it. It's like, that's like kind of what I was thinking about it. My science project. <laughs> yes. Um, 100%. So let's talk about that amazing character. One of the best scenes um, in in cinema, in my opinion, in is cinema. Vince Latello, Fisher Stevens, the the best friend to Michael Harlan, John Stockwell. Michael Harlan, John Stockwell is the auto mechanic guy in high school. He loves his car and like his big thing in life is that he doesn't want anybody to know that his car breaks down ever. And ultimate embarrassment. Ultimate embarrassment. So that's pretty good. But his friend is, um, of course, Vince Latello Fisher Stevens, who is the um, the white guy who was painted to look like an Indian guy in Short Circuit. He was also in Hackers. Um, he was and he in also in Super Mario Brothers with Dennis Hopper. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Currently, you may know him right now as the funniest lawyer on Succession. Um, yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. He's also a direct. He's a director too, Fisher Stevens. He directed oh, yeah. episodes of uh, Dear Edward that's on Apple TV right now. So he's he's, he's, he's acted. He, he directed that, that Justin Timberlake movie. Yeah, that, I was yeah, that's what yeah. I was gonna say. And he was. It was great. I loved it. It was out of yeah. nowhere. Fisher Stevens, he's pretty, Palm, he's Palmer, talented. Yeah, Palmer, he's ta- talented guy. He is, but in this movie, one of his first kind of films, he plays like this sleazy, machismo Italian friend who just, it's really funny to think like this type of character was such a big nerd for TV and movies because all of his lines are actually hilarious. Yes. Uh, misogynistic towards yes. women and he has a TV reference and quote for literally everything <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad you said it I don't know how watching this movie he got typecast as kind of um, loser nerd ish guy um, in, in a lot of the other roles that he was in because he's totally believable as this guy obviously he doesn't have a big physical presence or whatnot but as the character he plays in this movie like you 100 percent buy it but going back and knowing what he plays now which is normally kind of like a quieter meek little attorney like almost kind of submissive in so many of his other roles to go back and watch him be the big swing and dick of this movie was hilarious <laughs> to me and i kind of <laughs> wish that he was able to zag a little bit more but i mean you gotta you gotta eat so i guess if you're gonna get typecast <laughs> and have a 50 year career in Hollywood you just take it when you can get it right because like in like one of my favorite moments in the movie it's when they're all the kids are arrested and he's like doing his like his mug shot and he's wearing sunglasses and this woman cop comes up and like says like why are you wearing sunglasses yeah he's like why are you wearing sunglasses and he goes like well because like i'm too cool you know something like that and she like roughs him up against the wall and he's like calls her like a it's like watch it there yeah butch lady won't you have a shave and that line (laughs) is so damn funny and good and but he says it with such charm and charisma how can you get mad at him like he walked that line it was never like in a mean spirit it was like always like he's so funny about it it was so great and there the lines that he has they're all like that they're all great right 
I could have, I was like writing them down. They were so, they were so funny. That's why I was referencing at the top during our introductions with the uh, slurping on snot or drinking <laughs> snot, uh, sucking snot. And then he calls like somebody lunch meat. And I don't know. It's just like he, he was completely off the cuff. He didn't, it almost seemed like they just let him go. And he was saying stuff like uh, pulling on my zucchini and stuff like that. It's just like, yeah, a book a book could be written about his character and all the lines that he says. He, but yeah, he just says them so casually and like you said, not mean spirited. Not they just serious. they just land so well for me. Like he's he's like a loose screw version of like an <laughs> outsider's character or something like that. But just like really turned up to eleven. It's it's really good. It is. And like one of his other funny lines, you know, there's a scene in the movie where he's making out with like a girl named Rini in the car, his car. And he gets a phone call from his friend, like the car broke down, pick me up and he has to go get it. And the next scene, they're fixing the car and the girl's there not being able to make out with them. And she like says something to him. <laughs> what was it? It was like something like. Why, why Why? am I even here? <laughs> and, he, and his response was like, well, you ain't a pepperoni pizza yet. So yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. That was so He's, he's got his needs at every time, yeah. at, at, at every moment of the day. And that's not the need that he needs has, uh, at the moment. Uh, yeah. I, I love, yeah. Fisher Stevens stole this movie for me. Yeah. It did. He also has like that really great, gadget on his car that everybody probably wants where it gives the middle finger yeah uh, people, he's he's driving and people are honking behind him and he presses mm -hmm. a button in his car and up from the back of the trunk of the car comes a middle finger like uh middle finger plastic hand him, yeah he calls him butt plug or something like that <laughs> <laughs> and I would imagine because Preston's really into Days of Confused that has a lot of cars and I imagine like man why didn't Days of Confused have this element to it yeah like when they're just doing stuff like that yeah because I think there was every fantasy because uh, you just kind of quietly want to offend somebody or get back at somebody without rolling down your window to be like hey or say something you want like a, a uh, speak and spell or something like that on the back of your car yes. to be like to do some of that heavy lifting for you um so yeah that i definitely wanted one of those so now i want to talk with you about one of the side stories that never comes to fruition really but it's there <laughs> was harlan's dad and stepmom all over the course of one night <laughs> that happens <laughs> The Mary like, Kay lady. Yeah, well, like, they just get married, like, they're on their honeymoon night, and it all takes place over the course of a night, all the thing has changed. Dan, what did you think about that? Because I, those two actors are, are in a lot of stuff, and they're great, but I didn't understand why they are there, really. Brian, I, I don't have an answer for you. I It made no sense. Even watching the movie, I when I finished it, I was like, did I like skip a scene? Like, is this not the full movie? Just because I figured there would be like a throwaway scene or throwaway gag or something to explain. No, no clue. My hands are up. You can't see me. I have no clue why I was in there. I don't know. Maybe they just had the actor and actress who you said are, are fun in roles. And we're just like, ah, let them cook. Well, yeah, that might be the case because in movies like this where we see this type of character who doesn't do really well in school, they have a bad home life. But when you meet these two people, they're like, well, actually, they actually do care. And once you 
might think the stepmom might be not great. She's actually sticking up for them. And like when the police come and like the dad sticking up for them, like it's, it's like actually a really sweet feeling, right? Preston. Yeah. Yeah. I think they just needed, <laughs> they, they wanted to maintain some wackiness whenever Fisher Stevens wasn't there. So they probably just wanted to fill that void and threw them <laughs> in there because it just, yeah, it just makes no sense. Like Barry Corbin's character, uh, like when, uh, Michael Harlan, uh, the main character, gets home. Like at one point, he uh, the the police officer or detective is already there waiting for him, and he's like waiting yes. in the dark, like Nick Fury or something. And then, and then you we're thinking that is his dad, and then his dad actually comes out because it's their honeymoon uh, period or their wedding night, and so they were mm-hmm. obviously up to something. And he's just and Barry Corbin's just wearing a towel, like he who knows how long he had been questioned by the police at that point and then he's just still like no i still got my thing i got to do tonight and so whatever else is going on i'm gonna get to it later (laughs) yeah it was like it was like there was a little like almost like a mad tv gag in there But, but as you said there was there was a true payoff because they they were sweet or nice or you know and i'm with you i thought this was like oh here we go mr carga you know his 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 real mom or whatever died when a car broke. I like, that's what I was waiting on, to be honest with you. Um, no, this movie um, wasn't concerned with all that heavy dramatics, but that's, that's where I thought it was. That was going to be like the moment, but, but instead it was just, it, yeah, they were just in there. In there they were just in there. Fun. They were. Um, also now we have to talk about the genius of Dennis Hopper again, because that okay. teacher of his being so, uh, hippy dippy loving he was you know in the classroom he told everybody he's he's like he hates pigs man and he drives yeah. a, one of those big hippy you know vans like vw vans that's painted right, so yeah. was it any surprise to you to you watching this for the first time when he got sucked through the time vortex he came back and he said the only place he did was ride the 60s out and went yeah. to woodstock and he had a great time and then I want you to talk about like when he said, like, I made it sure I made sure that I did some things in the 60s that made the future Mm. groovy, man. So, Preston, talk to me about that whole great payoff. Oh, it was great. It's kind of like in Hot Tub Time Machine with uh, that that one guy who. Lugal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Where he just like did all these things that were better for the world. Um, So, yeah, who knows? Like maybe he felt like at the time, like his 60s experience was taken from him and he he wanted to go back and relive it because like he kind of just still hangs on to them, but still wants to feel like he's contributing in that time and not being a burnout entirely. So, yeah, I, I would love to kind of see was the was the history books uh, changed like when they pick it back up? Is it any different? And so, um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of neat to think it's that whole like looper scenario. He's like, I don't know. If we start talking about time travel, you fries your brain like an egg. Um, so, it, yeah, there's just like this movie's just not concerned with a lot of things. And it, that still makes it so great. It's not concerned with like the things that Dan was talking about with like being like this um kind of like 
it's not trying to be a deep, deep movie. It's just trying to present stuff that's fun and exciting, but still has like all those things that kids were really into at that time. We yeah. were really into gadgets and they're like very clunky, big gadgets at the time, just because that's was the eighties and they couldn't compress things like we can now. But um, yeah, it just has that sense of wonder um, that that we love with movies and I think that's it's, it, it knew that that's all it needed to be and it didn't need to go break beyond those parameters and it, it's all the better for it Dan what do you think about Dennis Hopper I, and all of that I, I couldn't have said it better myself like I said earlier he was having fun I like the thought of him going back I'm glad they didn't go into as Preston said it it fried thinking about what oh I went back to the 60s I made sure things would be better in the future and there was no real payoff for that because it can either come across as corny or ruin it. For all we know, he just like planted some really great weed in his backyard based on his yeah. character. You know <laughs> what like I mean? Tom, it, it, it doesn't Chong's... Have... Sorry. No, you're good. It doesn't have to be something like profound. He didn't go like stop assassinations or anything. Like It was just like, I did something really great. And, it, and you can interpret it however you want for fun, for anything like that. And I just, I loved, I loved that it had that much that much fun with it and that many open possibilities and yeah. and they just went with it and the, and it allowed the audience to ride with it because i feel like when you start trying to explain crap like that it just it bogs you down and as preston said it is i mentioned earlier what i was expecting and obviously it didn't happen it definitely would have bogged the movie down like i admit that but it's what i'm expecting based on today it has to be like i mean just to jump into the future real quick watching the trailer for ant-man and it's like you missed five years with your daughter and i'm just like i just want to watch the little man punch the guy in purple and like yeah. maybe set something else up like i don't need this profound family drama and abandonment issues because you're not doing it well so it's just like we don't need to have them in there anymore um and that's and that's what i appreciate about movies like my science project where they're just like hey you're here to have fun we're giving you the fun you can fill in whatever blanks that you want to fill in. And I, and I love that. Yeah. I, I love that too for him. And it's just, it's so great to see him like Preston said earlier, when he comes back from the time warp, he is in his easy rider costume. Yes. <laughs> and Which you know, you, you know, for a fact, he brought it to set. He was like, I'm <laughs> fresh out of rehab. I need the good vibes on this set. And he put it on and probably like showed, the younger Perfect. actors who were there, yeah. like this sort of a thing. And they were like, actually wear that in this scene coming up. And they all had a laugh. That's what I mean. Like, that's the type of thing choice where, you know, it was from a place of fun. Dennis Hopper wanted to do it and have fun with it. The director did. And it's just a joy, a joyful moment. It is a yeah. joyful moment. Uh, <laughs> so after the movie ends, it has that Ghostbusters ending when they're all coming out of the smoke and out of the high school and all the cops are there and they're being congratulated, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then the credits roll. Please tell me y'all sat through the whole credits. With all Absolutely. the stills? Well, there's not just still, there's little clips in there. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you did. most of it, yeah. All right, great. Because it's like, has the funny a aspect to it of, you know, them going through their lives or just you know, or basically just Fisher Stevens character having a ball. Um, but the song, the song, my science project, talk to me. It's pure 80s. Oh, yeah, 100%. We, Brian and I have been talking about this uh, 
off mic about our, just how much love we have for all these 80s songs that just seem to be lost uh, in like movies that are just completely forgotten. And those songs are just com- just buried. Um, and they're just all of a sudden now just because of like all these big shows that are coming out that are very nostalgic and people are sticking up taking all these trips. And then there's this demand to want to have them on vinyl again and be able to listen to them because there's they either have were not released at all just purely made for the movie might be available to listen to on youtube but they they're just so happy in in really capture the the goofiness of the time and it has like this sort of sparkle to it and so yeah dude those, those, those songs are great or this song is great did you do you think the same thing, Matt? All right, Dan. Yeah, I, I it's no Solar Babies closing credits <laughs> song, but but uh, I enjoy. It definitely gave us a, it gives you the vibe. It gives you the vibe you're looking for, and I really liked it. It it's hard to go up against Smokey Robinson. <laughs> yeah. uh, so to wrap this all up, Dan. Do you recommend this movie? Would you show your kids this movie? Do you want to watch it again? If there was a big Criterion Arrow video Blu-ray 4K, <laughs> would you buy it? What, what? Yeah, absolutely. I would absolutely watch it again. I have no clue. It doesn't have a Disney character in it or a princess. So I'm not sure my kids would be interested in, in it at the age that they're at right now, but maybe as they get a little older. But um, I would absolutely watch it again. I would encourage everyone to try to figure out if Danielle Von Zernick in the first like half hour of the movie he thinks that she's in a porno film from the seventies, the way her voice is and she's wearing glasses. Um, that's a fun little game that you can play with your family. Cause she's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Um, the whole time with her glasses on, I was like, what is going on here? So I, I yeah, I would recommend it. Um, I'm not sure I would buy it to be honest. I know y'all are the bigger collectors, but certainly if the draft house or something was doing like, a weird Wednesday screening or like a midnight thing of it somewhere, or like someone brought it in for fantastic fest or something. I would absolutely be like, Oh yeah, let's go watch my science project in person. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Preston. What about you, man? I know, I know Preston's really big into these type of movies. So I'm very curious. My science project, where does this stack up now? Are you just a fan now? Yeah, I'm a fan. I'll have to get as I saw that the Kino Lorber one that you have is like $13.99 online. So I'm going to have to snuff it out and uh, add it to the collection just because I have, uh, I don't know, I have a lot of movies that are like that. That's my vibe. Like this movie is very much my vibe uh, of just being like this fun little hangout movie. And uh, I have like movies with, uh, there's one with Henry Thomas that was like, right before or after et and it was like set in australia i can't remember the name of it right now but i have it over there somewhere but it just kind of has that kind of like what i was saying earlier that sense of wonder and i think my son would appreciate it we might have to have discussions about like what what is the word you know the f word not the other f word um because it's mentioned (laughs) that's mentioned quite a bit i forgot about that but fisher stevens character um and so uh yeah that that i would have to have a a little bit of a talk about that if he caught those because there's a lot of movies that i can watch right now and and i'm like oh my god is he gonna is he gonna remember that and it does he doesn't but 
You never well, know. Like, that's, the, that's the thing of the time, the 80s and 90s. Even Bill and Ted said that other F yeah. word, you know, like that's it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I think uh, I, I, yeah, I definitely want to buy it and I'd watch it again. But yeah, maybe, maybe like what Dan said is like there, there's not a whole lot of uh, impulse for me right now to be like, all right, let's watch. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to share this like a, like a disease and have all my friends over and everything like that. Uh, but it, yeah, if there happened to be a screen or some something like that and be like, let's just go watch this really dumb great movie together and it'd be a, yeah. a, a night for it so uh should occasion arise i'll flock to it um but i do i would like to buy it just because uh, i i could watch it with my son someday so yeah awesome 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 so yeah my science project it's free on youtube to watch uh you can buy it on the kino lober site uh for Preston said 1399. It comes with an audio commentary by film historians and a new interview from Fisher Stevens and a ton of theatrical trailers. Uh, it's worth it, man. It's it is a fun movie. And I only wish that this type of movie would not be remade, but kind of like get a resurgence because not a lot of people like Dan and Preston, two big, very film buffs who've seen a lot of things, never saw this movie. So <laughs> I wanted a resurgence. I want that to come back and people to discover this because it is great. It's got good performances. It's fun. And Dennis Hopper and Fisher Stevens' best role. <laughs> All you need to do is just hit up the writers of Stranger Things right now, get some popular IP uh for for the moment and just say please put a reference in there and then everybody will go find it and then the demand will be there again all right there you go there you go well we are fear and loathing in cinema podcast thank you for listening we'll be back next week with another great show i'm brian kluger i'm at high def digest twitter instagram youtube brian kluger type it in you can find preston barta the man the myth the legend (laughs) <laughs> on the Denton Record Chronicle, freshfiction.tv. His Instagram name is Blu-ray Dad and his Twitter name and YouTube name is Preston Barta. Check out his interviews. Most recently, the Allison Bree and Dave Franco interview. It's amazing. It was great. Is great. And then also Dan Moran. Find him on this podcast. We are going to try to get him on social media to promote these things. And I mm-hmm. want to make a note This coming uh, Friday, the three of us will be coming back for a special episode of My Bloody Podcast to be talking about a great horror movie that you should all see. So be sure to check that out, too. My Bloody Podcast. We love you.